Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramus, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this series, we have been discussing Dutch Sheets' book, Intercessory Prayer. We've been in the current chapter, which is titled Cheek to Cheek, for several episodes, and we've got a little ways to go. Today, we're going to talk about his use of Psalm 110. So I'm just going to start with a quote from the book, and then we are going to discuss what Psalm 110 really means and what we need to learn from it. So here's what that sheet says. Sometimes a laying on requires a treading upon. Psalm 110, a futuristic messianic psalm relating to Christ, also pictures our partnership with him. We will go into a little more detail on that in a few minutes. But just to start with that, is Psalm 110 about our partnership with Jesus? No, that's the last thing that we'd want to see in that. Psalm 110 verse 1 is the most cited or alluded to passage in the New Testament. Okay, that is significant. Right. The reason it's important that that Psalm 110 and verse 1 is cited so often and alluded to in the New Testament more than any other Old Testament passage is that it answers an important question that was uh, asked by the early Jews who heard the gospel, and they were asking this. If this Jesus is truly the Messiah, the promised one, and he came as the Messiah that we're to believe in, how is it that he was rejected by our leadership and mocked and crucified by the Romans and died? Right. They were not expecting things to happen the way they did. They were expecting him to come and defeat Israel's enemies and set up the Davidic kingdom. Okay. And to to conquer Rome. Instead, he was crucified, raised on the third day, and bodily ascended to heaven. Now, the reason Psalm 110 and verse 1 is so important is that it is proof that Jesus, that this was predicted in the Old Testament, and that Jesus fulfilled prophecy along with many other passages that are cited by Christ and his apostles and reigning at the right hand of the majesty on high, as it says in Hebrews. Yes. The reason it's important is it answers the question, so why didn't he defeat our enemies? This is where we're going to get into a major disagreement with Dutch Sheets and his cohorts, and that is Jesus is reigning until the church continues throughout the church age goes on, the gospels preached, people are redeemed, people are added to the one foundation, Christ and his apostles, not these false Latter-day apostles, and the the times of the Gentiles is being fulfilled, and the defeat of the enemy comes comes later, not through the church. Okay. So the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand 
till I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Psalm 110, verse 1. Lord is Yahweh, and my Lord will be, I believe, Adonai in the, in the Old Testament. So who is it that makes the enemies of God a footstool? So now they would claim it's us. No, it's God. We right. have the Father and the Son. Okay. And the sending of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Yes. We need to get this right. And if we don't understand this, the false teachers, which the New Apostolic Reformation consists of, one false teacher after another making claims about these things that are unbiblical. Right. Exactly what Dutch Sheets is doing. The reason Psalm 110 and verse 1 is cited is to prove that Jesus Christ fulfilled scriptures and he is reigning. Yes. And that the point is not now we're going to defeat God's enemies. The point is go out into the world and preach the gospel to all. Yes, because, I mean, that's if, if we really want his kingdom to come, which we do, that's the answer. It's the preaching of the gospel so that the lost will be saved. Right. Now, just to reinforce this, I understand that many people go to these meetings, they get all excited, and it's not, it seems like a very profound experience. And these whatever sort of meetings get people rallied, okay? Mm -hmm. And these passages are thrown out there and they shout and scream and claim all kinds of great things, but they don't take the time to explain the word of God to the people that come to the meeting. Right. And they make some pretty bold promises about things that are going to happen in their meeting that only God could fulfill if he were to choose to do so. Exactly. So this doesn't really happen. And so people leave, leave with a lot of excitement. But in the end, if they live longer enough, their hopes are dashed. Right. They're they're building on a foundation of sand, not on the rock. Psalm 110, verse 2. The Lord, as Yahweh, will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. So the question, uh, Psalm 110, verse 1, is cited in these uh, sermons in the book of Acts and elsewhere. Now, what does this mean to rule in the midst of your enemies? Well, this indicates that the defeat of the enemies was not what happened at the first advent. Okay. And the defeat of all God's enemies is not going to happen during the church age. Okay. What's going to happen is Christ continues to reign at the right hand of God. And he indeed hears us and answers us and intercedes for us. We've talked about that. But this doesn't suggest that the role of the church is to defeat the enemies for him. Right. And that's really important. Yeah. So let me cite Dutch Sheets on this. Okay. Because Psalm 110, a futuristic messianic psalm relating to Christ, also pictures our partnership with him. So that's the big claim in this chapter where we're uh, critiquing from Dutch Sheets' book. 
it foretells that Christ would, after his resurrection, ascend to the right hand of the Father, which is true. Yes. According to the New Testament, at the time of his ascension and enthronement, he had already placed all other authorities under his feet. Now, okay. that is very misleading. So let's look at the passages he cites to prove that claim. All right. So he starts with Ephesians one twenty two, yes. which you recently preached through all of Ephesians. So I, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm excited to hear how this verse actually should be applied. But here's what Dutch Sheets is saying, or here's how he quotes it. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. Right. Okay. What does that mean? It, well, in Dutch sheets, strange theology, it means the church is going to do our part and defeat the enemies on behalf of Christ. Okay. But that's not what it means. All right. So um, on July 22, 2018, I preached the sermon on Ephesians 1, 22, and 23, entitled Christ Headship for the Church. Okay. Now, I'll just give you some of the bullet points that I that I preached in this sermon. By the way, if you go to ggf.church, you can look up sermons by preacher or by series. So you can find my series on Ephesians and look up this sermon. Okay. Okay. He put everything under his feet, Ephesians 122a. So there's an allusion to Psalm 8.6 and a link to Psalm 110.1. Psalm 8, verses 4 through 6, is about Adam being head over the subhuman earthly creation. This is what I preached in this sermon. Okay. So what we're going to find is that this statement um, that the church is going to do this is not true because the last enemy is death. Right. So the wages of sin is death. And Adam and Eve rebelled against God and subjected the whole Adamic race to the fall. And people are born into this world alienated from God and they need forgiveness of sins and redemption. Okay. Okay. So Adam was not the head over other sinners. And uh, Adam is was was made the head over the subhuman creation. And that's an important distinction because there are many dominionists out there, even in the reformed camp. Okay, this isn't specific to the new apostolic reformation. There's many who would claim that we are to have dominion over other people. And they call it the dominion mandate. Can you just kind of give us a brief summary of that? Yes, and uh, I've written, I wrote a scholarly article about that when I was in seminary. Um, they take the passages, first of all, they go back to Genesis 3, then they go to the reiteration of this so-called mandate over others, but it's not what it's about, is in, um, I believe, in Genesis 9, after the flood. Okay. So, they, they say that God reiterated this to Noah. And then they go to 
Matthew 28 in the Great Commission there where they say we're given a mandate to go take dominion over the ethne, which they take to be geopolitical entities. Okay. And so therefore, in that scheme of things, we have a mandate to rule over pagans and force them to behave themselves. And that's what the Great Commission is about. So rather than being about the gospel, it's about making unbelievers obey God's law. Yeah, and what I did in that article, and I think it's published on CACministry.org under Scholarly. Okay. What I did in that article, or actually it was an essay that I turned in for class, and then I massaged it a little bit and made it an article mm-hmm. that's readable, that is pointed out that the the content is to go out and preach the gospel and baptize those who believe. Yes. Okay, so the issue is escaping from the penalty of sin, which is eternal separation from God. The issue is forgiveness of sins. The issue is that God is saving people out of the fallen, wicked world that's heading for future judgment. Okay. And that as people come to faith and are redeemed, they're part of the body of Christ, and together they have fellowship, they break bread, people that are converted are baptized, we teach the Word of God, we preach the gospel to escape from coming judgment. They turn that into a mandate to take dominion over geopolitical entities. Right. So you Christianize pagan nations. Okay. That is a perversion of the Great Commission, and it's not what the Bible teaches. And by making that claim, they put Matthew at odds with Luke. Yes, that is true. Okay. It's very clear from Luke-Acts that that is not the intent of the Great Commission. Right. If it was, then we would have to say that the apostles got it wrong. Well, that's what they end up, in de facto, that's what they end up doing because they, it's pretty clear that the apostles never tried to take dominion over the Roman Empire. Right. But in the scheme of these false teachers, they claim that some centuries later, Rome fell to Christ. Okay. Well, and yeah, they do claim that. Yes, so, that is false. And I wrote an article to someone who, whose article I read before I went to seminary, after I'd been in Bible college, and they just made fun of me. Yeah. They didn't tell me anything. Okay. And I, they just assume that's the way it's supposed to be. Yes. Now, this rule in the midst of your enemies, Psalm 110 verse 2, isn't the same is ruling over your enemies. Right. Okay. So Christ is ruling. The enemy still exists. So one thing that we know, the reason that Jesus Christ did not defeat the Roman Empire was that he came to die for sins. Yes. And the Bible, and in particular the Gospel of Luke, focuses on the destruction of the temple which we know happened in 70 AD. Okay. 
after the book of Acts was written, and the return of Christ to bring salvation to ethnic national Israel. The false teachers mostly reject that notion, not all. Okay. Some of them claim that they're going to defeat Antichrist. Right. Now, what do, we, what do we need to learn about this? I printed out some material from Luke to help us see how we can refute the Dutch sheets of the world. Okay. There's enough error on three or four, any three or four pages here to take days to refute. <laughs> yes, we've we've been on these last pages, 79 through 83, for weeks now. Well, that, because every other sentence is another air with more concepts. Yes. And so she throws out these false applications and false prophecies and false teachings with proof text and never has the courtesy or care or concern to spend enough time explaining the concept, helping people who read his book. How can it be that I enforce what Jesus did? Right. Okay, so Jesus sent it to heaven. According to Hebrews, we know he hears us. We know we're called to preach the gospel. So how am I supposed to enforce his victory over all his enemies? Okay. Right. He throws out a few verses and really doesn't show how they even apply to what he's saying. Yeah. And so we're supposed there's to there's no exegesis here. So in some way, ways we're supposed to defeat Satan in a way by enforcing what Christ did. Okay. Well, there's one way that that happens. We repent and believe the gospel and God removes us from the domain of Satan and he lost us as one of his victims. Right. We're no longer in the domain of darkness, and now we're in light that, that comes from God through the gospel. So conversion, if some of you, and I was part of this movement, most people will have to say that if you go to these NAR meetings, okay, in the NAR, it was called the shepherding movement, in where I was, but some of their early teachers like Ern Baxter were part of that. In the shepherding movement, when you go to the meetings, there's just an assumption that if you go to the meeting, you're a Christian. Okay. And if you just at some point said a prayer or raised your hand or whatever. Yeah. They don't, they don't concern themselves with preaching Christ in the gospel. Okay. They don't talk about forgiveness of sins. We've, we've mentioned that. So, you know, if, if you mention Dutch Sheets on Facebook, your feed gets full of all sorts of false prophets and apostles. And Cindy Jacobs is someone that Dutch Sheets works with. And so this showed up in my Facebook feed the other day. And this is just a good example. It really shows what was going on when you were in the movement is still going on now. So sponsored post from Cindy Jacobs, we would like to invite you to one of the most strategic events of the year. The Global Prophetic Summit is the opportunity to hear from many prophets across the world. The theme this year is authority over chaos. There is something powerfully supernatural about setting time aside to prepare yourself for the year of 2023. There is no doubt that Satan is trying to disrupt your life. 
destroy your destiny, and shake up nations. We believe the Global Prophetic Summit will equip you to boldly stop what the enemy has planned and release God's purpose for you. Our team has put together a strategy to see this happen. The worship will refresh you and get you in touch with God on a deeper level. You can also sign up to receive a personal prophetic word or have a dream interpreted. The prophets who are sharing are world-class and hands down some of the most accurate that we know. Friday night will be a powerful time of miracles and supernatural manifestations. We have designed GPS as an immersive time in the presence of God. Click below to get your tickets today. Oh, boy. Uh, I mean, there's so much here. It's... it's, uh... The category errors are immense. Right. Let me just cut through all of that. Okay. Um, this is not biblical. All right. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. He has taken you and removed you from the domain of Satan and transferred you in the kingdom of his beloved son. Right. Satan is not able to disrupt God's destiny for you, which is eternal life and uh, the resurrection of the dead and to reign with him as the various things that are promised in eternity happen. Okay. You believe what she's saying, your destiny is temporal and still in your mortal body. Although some of those people, I will say, claim they're going to achieve immortality now, but they haven't got there yet. Oh, oh dear. Resurrection. I don't know if she's claiming that. But see, the whole thing goes up in a puff of smoke if you just tear out that foolishness. Yes. If you know Christ, you have the gift of eternal life, and you're trusting him, and you're serving him, and preaching the gospel— and teaching the Bible and caring for your responsibilities, you don't have to worry about what Satan's going to do to your destiny. Right. That is nonsense. That is just glorified unbelief. Yep. Either they have false uh, definitions of the term, what do they mean by destiny? Right. That you don't ever get sick or you're, you're never going to die. You're going to live to be how... Nobody's lives over 120 years. That was said all the way back in the Old Testament. It doesn't happen. Yep. And so is aging going to stop? Are you going to receive your uh, uh, glorified bodies now before the resurrection? Right. No, it doesn't happen. And see, I heard those things 40, 50 years ago. And the elderly in our groups back then did get sick when they got very old and ended up in their deathbed in sorrow and shame and fear. Yes. And thankfully we got out of that movement and were able to visit some of them and comfort them. And uh, the false teachers make these claims, but they never, they never admit they have the same kind of difficulties. All of us do. Right. You can't predict. God's going to come and do miracles. 
You don't know that. No. Well, and we need to be very careful there, too, because even Pharaoh's magicians could replicate some of the miracles. The spirit world is more than happy to make us think there was a manifestation at one of these meetings. Right. And but we of, can't know the source of that. No. And as a matter of fact, a lot of the discussion about it and those who I think are using less than fully effective tools to fight it, they argue about what Satan can and can't do and what God can and can't do. Okay. The issue isn't can and can't. The issue is what are the terms of the gospel? And are we under providence at this point, which we are? Do we have a relationship with God? See, it's relational. It's not about some inability in God's being. We know God cannot lie. Or it's not about what Satan can and can't do. Right. And we see from Job 1, even even God is in control of what Satan can and can't do. Right. So they need to get a better understanding of a biblical worldview of providence, of the divine counsel, the book of Job, and so on. And what is God's will? What has God called us to do? And what does he do according to his promises? Right. So, again, this is confusion and you can hype up the meetings you subjective metaphysical impressions that people feel may seem in a group setting oh god's here this is really something yeah no do people get similar feelings in other kind of meetings what about the people in the occult who um, engage in eastern religion Right. They have feelings and experiences, too. They, Some of them experience transcendental experiences with the divine. Mm-hmm. So the assumption is, if you go to a meeting that's called Christian with some evangelicals who have Bibles, and you have experiences and feelings, it's from God. Right. And when you question it, it's like you did some horrible social uh, uh, blunder. Yes. You don't question these things. Of course it's from God. We're Christians. Well, I do question it, and I have questioned it. Yes. And how do you, this verse doesn't mean what you say. You're teaching false doctrine. Right. Okay. So back to Jesus reigning at the right hand of God. Okay. It's in the Acts, it says God did miracles according to his will. Yes. And they many times it happened before. I mean, honestly, yeah. the apostles didn't know. God did it. Right. Well, and it didn't say show up on Friday, November 10th at 7 p.m. and you'll have a miracle. No, um, it's sad. Let me just yep. read this as we are getting to the end of our time here. Okay. So what happened at the end of Luke? They were told Jesus ascended to heaven. And then the beginning of Acts also talks about Christ teaching and in his ascension. Okay, the end of Acts. So here is what happens when Jesus had appeared to them. And this is the Great Commission in Acts. I'm going to read Acts 1, 6 through 8. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? 
And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you should be my witnesses in both Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the remotest part of the earth. Okay. Acts tells us how that happened with Paul at the end going to Rome, which was the place which ideas would go around the Roman Empire. And this was about preaching the gospel. Yes. And in Luke, it said that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be preached to all. Yes. Now, if Jesus expected his disciples to go out and bring the kingdom of God by overthrowing Rome, wouldn't that have been the perfect time to say so? Well, that's not the question. The question was that, yeah, they wanted Rome overthrown Mm -hmm. and restored to glory, but that's future. That's after. And that's what God does. Yeah. And the times of the Gentiles were still in. Yes. So this question is saying it will happen, but it's at some fixed future time. That will not be determined by Latter-day Apostles and Prophets doing miracles at their miracle meeting. No. So you had mentioned Acts 3. Why don't you just uh, share that with us, and then we'll pick up with it next week. Okay, and then we'll talk more about how Ephesians fits in. Yes. Okay, Acts 3, um, 19 through 21. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and he may send Jesus, the Christ appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. So you have Acts 3, 19-21, linked with before the Holy Spirit was poured out after the ascension in Acts 1, 6-8. We see this is about Christ bringing restoration at that future fixed time. Yes. Okay. In the meantime, the times of the Gentiles that we're in, we're supposed to preach Christ in the gospel, repentance for forgiveness of sins. Right. Okay, so that's what we need to get clear in our minds and not listen to these proof texts that are misinterpreted and without looking at the context to see what the passage actually means. All right. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years' worth of articles, at the website cicministry.org. While you're there, click on Contact and send us a message. We would love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis. I'm Bobby Wade. We'll see you next week.